Hello and welcome to The Stack. On this week's show, two incredible titles. One is celebrating 100 years, and the other is an impressive Slovenian architecture and urbanism title. Both have very interesting stories behind. They are Good Housekeeping and Outsider. For more, enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. For this week's show, I paid a visit to the Hearst headquarters in London's Leicester Square to meet Gabby Herdat, editor-in-chief of Good Housekeeping, a title that is celebrating 100 years in the UK. I've always been interested in the title and the fact that it commands incredible sales in print. And for those that think it's literally just for housekeeping, think again. Here is Gabby with more. I've been on Good Housekeeping for four years. I've actually been with Hearst for probably nine and a half years now. But I probably wanted the Good Housekeeping job, if I'm truthful about it, for a lot longer than that. Like you, it's a magazine that I think probably pretty much everybody in the UK knows about. It's the UK's biggest magazine brand, and it's an incredible magazine with such a huge heritage. So... When I got this role, it comes. it's a huge honour. I absolutely love my job, but it comes, it's sort of a pleasure and a bit of a burden, particularly this year being our 100th birthday. So 24th of uh, February 1922 is when it launched in the UK. So our 100th anniversary year, this, you know, this is a brand that has meant something in the UK for, for 100 years. And so taking it into this year and really making that a celebration of a century, but also looking towards the future, is quite a responsibility. But, you know, I've got an incredible team of journalists. I think I've got the best team of magazine journalists in the UK, a lot of experts in all the different fields that, you know, you're talking about. We have a lot of different pillars in good housekeeping and and you know they are all really experts in their own field so I'm very privileged to lead such a great team you know I don't claim to be the best expert in beauty but Eve Cameron who's my group beauty director is similarly uh, Joanne Finney and Emily Martin who are the consumer affairs directors are absolutely the best experts we could have on finance so it's it's a joy really to have a team of people who are the best in class And that really allows us as a magazine brand to confidently go out into the market with our trademark we have, which is Try Tested Trusted. And I think that really explains, encapsulates what this brand is all about, which is a brand that readers have absolute faith in. If they read it in good housekeeping, they know it to be true. And, you know, that goes across every bit of our content. You know, for example, so our recipes are all triple tested. That's a USP in the market. So if somebody makes a recipe from Good Housekeeping, they can have absolute confidence it will work in their kitchen. You know, we test recipes. Three different people will test it in different ovens or, you know, different kitchen scenarios to make sure that absolutely they work. And having worked on, on, you know, in lifestyle publishing for a long time, I know that's not true of a lot of titles in the market. So, sorry, what was the original question? I'm rambling, I'm rambling on here. But um, 
One thing I was going to say, I know the magazine is 100 years yeah. uh, this year, but I felt reading the September issue that it's still quite current. I mean, it's not, of course, you're celebrating 100 years, but it feels very fresh. It feels that you're looking into the future. Look at the story about cost mm -hmm. of living, which I think is so important. So, yes, there's a celebration, but there is also, you know, let's move on in a yeah, way, right? Definitely. I think, I mean, that's our sort of strap line for this year, which is proud of our heritage and excited by our future. And that really, I think, sums up what this year means. But I think part of the success of Good Housekeeping is the fact that we stay true to our original DNA. We haven't meddled with a brand or tried to become something new. So I'm just going to read you a couple of things because I think this will kind of help make sense of where the brand came from and why it's sort of been so successful for so long. So in the, the very first editor's letter in that, uh, that issue that was out on the 24th of February 20, uh, 1922, it stated there should be no drudgery in the house. There must be time to think, to read, to enjoy life, to hold one's youth as long as possible, to have beauty around us, colour in dress, form and colour in our surroundings and to have good food without monotony. And I think in that, what that's saying is that if you have a well-run home and you run your life efficiently, it frees you up for the finer things and the nicer things of life. And I think that is very much true to what we do today. We're still, because I think people who don't know good housekeeping think, oh, it's all about housework. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, you know, there's a lot of advice in there about how to look after your home, how to run it efficiently, how to run your finances efficiently. But equally, there's inspiration. If you do all that and you do it well, then you, you've got some disposable income left for the nice things, fashion and beauty and travel and all of those things as well. So it, it encapsulates the whole of life. And then the other thing that, that really from that very first issue that the first editor said was that the burning questions of the day will be reflected in articles by women in the public eye, by women who are fearless and frank and outspoken. And I think that's the other element of the brand is that we are trying to always create market-leading great journalism. So there's always something to, to spark people's thinking. I mean, I have to say now, it's not always women who write for us. We, we, have, we feature articles by fantastic men in their fields as well. James Dyson has written for us this year about technology and innovation and invention. So, you know, I'll take articles from just leading people in their field. But, you know, it, it's all about the two things that come together, practical support for our audience and then inspiration and provoking thinking and really throughout our history being appropriate for the time that we're living in so I don't know whether you're aware but in the second world war good housekeeping was considered a critical part of the British war effort and it was the only publication that didn't drop any issues despite obviously a paper shortage at the time it was considered by the government of the day to be such a critical part of the war effort that um the offices were moved to St Donat's Castle in, in Wales and publishing happened there. So that was the time, right at that time, it was helping um, the audience with things like rationing and, you know, how to cook with the ingredients that they could get hold of. And again, I say, I guess, really, that ethos runs through now. So, you know, each month when I'm planning with this amazing team of experts that I lead, it's very much thinking, what is our audience what do they need for now and how can we help them and how can we make their lives easier and obviously the time that we're living at the moment cost of living crisis 
is part of life. And al- although our audience run the gamut, really, of economic, you know, economies, so we have some very affluent readers, but we also have some readers who are feeling the pinch more. And, it, and I think it's about giving them brilliant advice. So, you know, you mentioned the September issue, and in that, really, we, we've gone th- across, again, every vertical that we cover and looked at how the audience can economise. And that's not always actually about, about buying cheaply, for example, with fashion, sometimes if you buy smart, if you buy it, spend a little bit more on something as an investment, it'll last you forever. And so it's about really helping people to make smart decisions in their life, saving money on things. You know, we've got great financial advice on how to save money on on heating bills and things like that. And then also on, on food, because food is obviously a big concern for people at the moment and spending money there. So I think it's always about, I suppose, flexing for for what's going on around us and certainly at the moment that's very front of mind and as you know as we head into although it's hot outside today (laughs) as we're looking ahead Christmas is huge in good housekeeping world you know we have a huge dominance in the market at Christmas and very much sort of starting to really think and feel how can we help people as they head into Christmas this year what's going to be going on in their heads, what kind of Christmas do they want. Obviously, they want a wonderful Christmas, but perhaps they don't want to spend as much as they might do in other years. So that's very much sort of dominating our, our sort of planning at the moment, is thinking ahead to that. You mentioned Christmas. Is Christmas your September issue in a way? I mean, of course, the September issue yeah. is amazing. Sorry yeah. for the clunky question. But what is a time like where Good Housekeeping, like where's the best-selling issue of the year? Is yeah. it usually the Christmas yeah. one? Yeah. Christmas and, and Good Housekeeping, I think, are synonymous. And I think mm. we sell across our two issues. So the main issue of Good Housekeeping, which sells over half a million copies a year at just that one December issue, And then we also um, produce a Christmas special, which is just recipes, which is uh, also sells close to 100,000 copies. So across the market, we're selling over 600,000 copies of magazines just for that month alone. So I think it is if people are looking for some inspiration at Christmas, they do turn to good housekeeping and they might just know us for that. But obviously that gives us an opportunity to, to bring in new audiences and I mean, as as you and I were saying before you started recording, obviously, you know, you're a man, but you mm. find lots to inspire and enjoy in good housekeeping. And I think, you know, I do hear fairly regularly from male readers who pick us up at Christmas, probably initially for the recipes, but then find other things in there that they enjoy from, you know, interesting articles and and other things, perhaps not the fashion and beauty so much, but but, you know, certainly lots of the other content. And Gary, one thing um, it's impressive is the circulation of the magazine. I'm a big defender of print. I, I do believe in it. But what's the secret of good housekeeping? I think you mentioned something earlier that you didn't muddle so much with the brand. Of course, there's been changes, but I, f- I think that could be perhaps one of the reasons as well. It's impressive, the number, especially the current state of the print industry and so on. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And it is about constantly staying true to that original DNA of the brand you know what is our mission why did we start what can we do today how do we stay true to that and I think I think it was a great you know brand proposition at the start when it first launched here and so it's about flexing with the times definitely and helping our audience navigate the times that we're living in you know new technology or whatever the challenges are of the day but in a way that still remains really true and I think 
I think people are so overloaded with information and things coming at them from, you know, all kinds of media and different channels. And there is this question of trust now. Uh, you know, we've all heard the term fake news bandied about. And I think I think knowing that good housekeeping provides a, a trusted source of information and inspiration, I think is probably really key as well. The fact that recipes, say, are, are triple tested, the fact that a lot of the products and services that we feature are tested by our own institute. You know, we are unique in that. So just again, a little bit looking back to our heritage, the Good Housekeeping Institute launched in the UK in 1924 as somewhere that, that sort of researchers, scientists put products and services through their paces so that if something carries our logo, Good Housekeeping approved, our audience can buy knowing that that product has been tested and will do what it says on the tin effectively. And I think that, again, is is very key to our success, is that we're underpinned by a professional research institute. And we know there's all sorts of research that's done into the credibility of our, our logos. And, and according to that research, 87% of consumers are more likely to buy a product or service carrying a good housekeeping approved logo so it's powerful and you know we guard it preciously and and you know when I'm planning I'm, I plan very carefully because I, I want to go out with content that is worthy of this brand name really. And Gabby I just want to ask you about events is it an important part of the brand I know there's a big event coming up in, in October right if you can tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I'm very excited about our event in October. I mean, we've had we've we've run over the last few years. We well, obviously the pandemic put pay to any event for a couple of years. So this is our big our big hurrah really after that. But even prior to that, we'd run sort of smaller pop up events. But this is really a, a two day I'd say festival of of our experts and also friends of the brand. And I mean, I'm absolutely thrilled at the number of people who have wanted to be part of this event from you know cover stars like Davina McCall we've got Ruth Jones we've got Fern Britton we've got Nadia Hussein and Monica Galetti sort of the leading cooks of the day (laughs) yeah so um, we've got the great Lucy Worsley obviously you know historian she's already sold out so the tickets are selling very quickly and I'm thrilled you know we're still adding new events to the program because um, as we approach people, they're sort of all saying yes to, to coming in and uh, doing in-conversations of events with us. So I'm, I'm, yeah, very excited about it, very excited. And I think it'll be, you know, hopefully it'll go well and hopefully there might be more of it in future. I'm also probably, I, I, I must say, thrilled that Dyson have chosen to be our headline sponsor of the event. So it's obviously, it's Good Housekeeping Live in association with Dyson and I'm thrilled about that particularly because I think Dyson is a very future-facing brand. It's always been about innovation since you know James Dyson I'm kind of obsessed with because he's such an incredible inventor but since he first set up the company it's always been about creating something unique and effective in the market and Dyson loves good housekeeping as a partner because they've seen with their consumers that good housekeeping accreditation works very effectively for them so it's kind of a really good a really good partnership this 
So, yes, I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll do more in the future. But, um, yeah, you'll have to make sure keep 14th and 15th of October free because it's going to be a really great couple of days. Thank you very much, Gabby. And remember, the September issue of Good Housekeeping is out now. And now, a circulation of 8,000 might not sound like much, but in a country of just 2 million people, that's a significant reach. And all the more impressive considering the publication in question specializes in architecture and urbanism. Outsider is a big hit in its native Slovenia, and far from being a niche concern, it's available at petrol stations around the country and on newsstands, including Outsider's own in the capital Ljubljana. Monaco's Manning there, Guy Deloni, met the magazine's founders, Nina and Mateus Granda. Actually, the initial idea was not only about Slovenia. Uh, first issues of Outsider were also made in German, because at first we thought about wider public even, because we thought that this idea about architecture, culture and people can really speak to everybody almost, not only Slovenians. But there is, I think, a nice idea to always start from a specific, uh, more focused point and then to speak to wider public. And this is why outsider. So from a point of view of distance to tell a story to wider public. We are both architects and uh there are many magazines about architecture and uh, the readers are usually meant to be only architects. So this is uh, also our starting point. We, uh, we see a discussion about space that we live in, uh, very important not only for architects but for all people. Um, because if we are aware of our uh, space and quality of it, we can change it in a positive way. Uh, so this was our, also our initial idea to make a magazine which is not only for architects, it is architectural magazine, but uh, for everyone. So, What's the development of the magazine looked like over those seven years? When we started at first, it was a publication uh, a, which comes out four times per year and this is still the main focus that we uh, do, so Outsider Magazine. But we also um, started with uh, online publication, which is devoted to dynamically writing about architecture and about space in general. Yeah, we we like this hybrid um, printed text which uh, needs more um, longer writing deeper um, thinking and daily respond about problems on web pages so these two poles were uh, from the beginning the the hybrid of outsider magazine but later we had uh, many other things as uh, competitions um, other publications um, kiosk uh, and a lot of projects that we started and running uh, with outsider yeah after a printed magazine and online also magazine we started doing competitions And this competition brought the need to organize like a festival of ideas. 
connected with renovating. And so we started organizing also festivals which are devoted to architecture and how can we integrate architecture to enrich our lives and to bring something uh, special, interesting, funny and worth talking about. So this is a really cool thing. It's a hybrid in lots of ways. You've got the magazine, you've got the website which has the interactive element and also you've got the interactive element directly with the festivals that you do, the events that you do. But let's talk about the magazine a bit as well first, the actual physical object of the magazine. You've made it extremely specific in the way that you've put together outside. I mean, giving it a good old, there we go, a good old thumb there. The paper even is quite specific, isn't it? We are architects and we like physical things. Uh, and so uh, we wanted to make an, also an object of desire. And when we were selecting a paper, we contacted uh, some Slovenian producers fabrics of uh, paper and we found one uh, close to Ljubljana with really long tradition and they, they are doing this paper which is a bit yellowish a warm color and usually it's, it, it is used for books not for magazines and what, what was uh, observation of our readers is that it's very easy to read uh, from this paper uh, it has warm color it's easy it's comfortable for eyes but actually at the beginning this paper was not really um, people didn't know it and designers didn't like it too much at the beginning this was good for us because it was cheap and we could afford it at the beginning where we had nothing only good idea and we were crazy enough to follow it but somehow this paper works really really good with outsider magazine and what happened was that now so many designers use this paper everybody knows it and everybody loves it so our company is um, very satisfied with this collaboration that we have because yeah um, somehow something that was known as second class trash is now super hip and everybody wants it and this is something that happens along the way with outsider on so many levels you said that from the off you wanted outside to make architecture accessible to everyone that it wasn't just going to be something for architects and outsider is extremely accessible you can buy it in every petrol station in Slovenia and it has a circulation of 8,000 which when I scaled it up to the size of the UK that would mean a circulation of somewhere approaching 300,000 copies per issue so this is a magazine with a lot of reach how did that happen uh, that was the second comment when we started the magazine, who will read it? There is no public for such uh, content in Slovenia. And we said, okay, uh, we will we'll do the good content and if uh, no one will read it, we will stop uh, printing it. And then we find out that uh, a lot of people are searching for a good quality texts and uh, content. And 
there wasn't any so uh, there was a place for outsider and the first step also when we started the magazine was to visit the distributing company and make a meeting with them uh, and uh, from the start we established a large network of uh, distribution on the petrol station on hypermarkets uh, so it was very important from the beginning to be accessible on the most places uh, where people usually buy magazines or newspapers. And also at the beginning we didn't know that the majority of uh, cultural magazines and architectural magazines also are actually financed by some kind of government fundings. We didn't know about that actually and we just thought okay we will try and if people will read it then we will see it really has a purpose and meaning and it would be worth working hard and having fun besides on working it so it will make a point then so there wasn't really any other options for us i still kind of believe that if you make a magazine or then it's a good thing if somebody reads what you have to say. And who is the outsider reader? Do you know who, who your readers are? First, we, we of course, uh, address the architects. But for us, it's a big compliment when we get a back comment that uh, someone didn't know that he's interested in architecture until he, uh, didn't, uh, until he hasn't uh, reached the Outsider magazine. So, so th th this is for us very important. And they also have a chance to question the columnists that you have, the writers that you have, in person, because another tentacle of the Outsider empire is your kiosk, your trafika in, in Ljubljana city centre, where you have your events regularly in conjunction with the each issue of Outsider and beyond that as well. How did that all come about? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very lovely uh, object, uh, which was built by Jorge Plechnik. Yes, it's uh, in the city centre of Ljubljana, close to National uh, Library. And I should add here that Jorge Plechnik is the signature architect of Ljubljana in Slovenia. Yes. Yes, um, and uh, th this is his uh, smallest building he ever built, and the simplest one. It's, uh, it's a column. It is also a hybrid. Uh, it was a column for um, posters and also a kiosk at that time. Um, it was renovated in 2013, and uh, from this renovation on, it was empty. We noticed it and we asked the municipality if we could use it. So we got an instant uh, answer from Vice Mayor of Ljubljana, Jorge Janes Kozel, and he said, of course, and uh, in a few weeks we opened it. Uh, and we immediately knew that this isn't a typical kiosk to sell magazines. It, it is, uh, as we understand it, a microcultural center. So we are selling our magazines there, but also other publications, but we are also organizing events. Yeah, it's a public space. It's become now a forum where you can meet interesting people um, and talk and just hang out. It's, a, it's a, like a square. And the beauty of this little square that happened around kiosk is that it's... Um, 
the only architecture that happened there is that we started to use it. Before it was just this pathway and parking space, but now when we started to use it, it's changed its purpose immediately. And even people who walk by, they comment uh, most often that um, they never saw this place. But how come they didn't? It's so interesting. And um, this is also, um, I could call it an architectural approach to, to making magazines, just to, to uh, create a place just by looking at it differently and starting to use it differently. Thank you very much, Guy. And I've received a few copies of Outsider. It's a delightful title indeed. That's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editor, Nora Hall. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fp at monaco.com. And we're back next Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Meanwhile, you can always listen to it again at monaco.com. And please, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can also subscribe to Monaco Magazine on our website. Before we go, a little song for you. George Michael, Outside. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Let's go outside.